0: This talk was given at the Insight Meditation Society on October 16th, 1983. The speaker is Jack Kornfield. The topic, Opening the Heart. I don't have a prepared talk for this evening, but would rather just respond as best I can to questions or topics that seem important to you at this point in the retreat. So I'd like to ask people to suggest either topics or questions. You take a number of them and see if there's some way I could respond or weave them into some useful talk about practice. Anything. if any, between big mind and the body-mind machine? Is a natural law dependent upon big mind, ultimately? The connection between big mind and the body-mind machine. All right, other questions or topics? or right. hmm? Parami? Any others? Please. Example, and you're uh, really being with it, really working with it. Uh, There seems to be a fine line between that and identifying with it. Could you elaborate on that? All right. So, working with emotion without getting caught in it. Parami, big mind. Um, The difference between or free will and um, predestination free will and predestination <laughs> I'm not sure I have any choice about this <laughs> lapses in uh, in mindfulness and the effect on development of continuity lapses in the effect on development of practice the relationship between enjoyment and delight on one hand, and pleasure and attachment on the other. Enjoyment on one hand, and pleasure and attachment on the other. The relationship, please. A uh, relationship between uh, feelings in the mind and karma. Feelings in the mind and karma. And karma. <laughs> Another one or so. <laughs> great to see what you're all thinking about. How about something on guilt and self Guilt. Good. Uh, I was thinking about the Western psychology concept of uh, perception and the mind's function of of making sense out of all this data coming in and how that differs from Buddhist psychology. Okay, Eastern and Western psychology (laughs) in relation to perception. (laughs) Two more. Yes, quick, just very brief, though. How do you deal with doubt about the practice? All right, and? How do the uh, Christian... Brothers who visit from Spencer Abbey or Spencer Mass mm-hmm. deal with the, with the Buddhist interpretation and use the practice uh-huh. <laughs> That one I'll start with. <laughs> You'll have to ask them. <laughs> if you see any, feel free to go up and ask them the question. Alright, so that's enough topics. Let me just sit for a second, if I speak to your topic in, in talking, you'll be lucky, <laughs> <laughs> and if not, hopefully it will be remembered in the minds of <clears throat> the other teachers up here and get addressed over the next weeks of talks and, and, uh, and groups. Dense is the ground out of which true insight and understanding comes. It's an essential aspect of our practice. If we don't accept some aspect of ourself, some feeling, some physical sense of ourself, some mental sense of ourself, then how are we to learn about it if we condemn it? How are we to discover its nature? How are we to become free in relationship to it? Self-acceptance is not all of the practice but it's a foundation or a spirit which allows for the kind of attention and mindfulness that we do, that we practice here, to work. What don't we accept What don't you accept about yourself? The way you look? Your greed? Fears? Certain kinds of thoughts? Which emotions are unacceptable? Which states of mind would you rather not have Can you see that when you look? Do you have some sense of the mass, of the size of it, of that area or domain of your experience, which is unacceptable, which you don't like? The way the practice develops is through a continuity of attention which begins in a simple way with the breath or walking expanded to other objects. It begins with a rather solid world. The world of sight and sound seems, perception of body and mind seems intact and solid the way a movie does when we're lost in the plot. As we begin to cultivate a continuity of attention, and in response to the question of continuity, it requires a very frequent ability to notice before we start to see what makes up perception, what makes up our world, before we're able to do what Don Juan calls dissolve the world. If we start to pay attention, at first the moments are quite far apart, then they get a little closer together and in a sitting or a walking or eating, we're here more frequently. As we continue with our effort and care, bringing the mind back again and again and collecting it, we begin to be able to pay attention to see that which seemed solid in its component parts we begin to see that our whole being and all of our universe is made up of six events floating in space of mind, colors and form of sight, sounds, smells, tastes, physical perceptions, of the body, and mental events, feelings and thoughts and so forth. If we don't have a fundamental self-acceptance, it's not possible to discover this nature of body and mind. Because something will come, and you perhaps notice, if you don't like it, it seems to come more, more often, more persistent. It lays in wait for you. You know, if it's something in the dining room, you just have to go into lunch, and there it is waiting on your table to come into your mind. Or if it's something about your body, you just have to look in the mirror. If it's something about your mind, you just have to come and sit again. And There it is, kind of waiting, lurking in the meditation hall. If there's some part of ourselves or some group of things that we don't accept, then this process of looking deeply to discover the nature of the body and mind, the system of perception of what makes us up stops at that point. It stops because we're afraid, we resist, we judge, we try to push away. What to do in that case? The process of acceptance has two layers to it. The first is accepting the fact that there are things that we don't like. Accepting our non-acceptance. Looking at our mental habit, which is all that it is, and seeing that there are these things which I don't like. Great. Don't like them. It's fine. I'm serious. It's fine not to like them. See the not like, and see them. If there's judgment, note the judgment. If there's a sensation or a thought or an image that one doesn't like, note the not liking, note the thing. Practice is a process of the opening of both the heart and the mind. The word for heart and mind is the same in Pali and Sanskrit, citta. To open the heart for me means to allow ourselves to begin to experience whatever there is in our being, in our walking, in our moving, in our eating, with a kindness, with a softness. This teacher Deepaman Calcutta, who a number of us have had the chance to study with, and is a tremendous embodiment of loving-kindness. I know whenever I see her, or whenever I leave from seeing her, she likes to give blessings to people. It's one of her things, you know. She's kind of old and grandmotherly and grandmothers do that very often anyway. The thing about her blessings, she'll come over and put her hand on your head and go shh, very softly, is somehow she has a tremendous power of heart She's uh, an extraordinary and powerful yogi and has a kind of field of kindness or warmth or love around her that's, that's tangible. And whatever you're going through or whatever your difficulty, whatever you present her with, the way that she greets it is, shh, it's okay. Not that you have to get rid of it, not that it's bad let yourself experience it, it too is all right. I mean, what is it? It's a sight or a sound or a smell or a taste of some flavor or a particular thought or physical sensation. We've somehow divided the world into the acceptable and the unacceptable. So we come here to practice. We sit and we walk. What is required to open our perception, to see this, which is talked about in all kinds of great traditions, awakening, clear understanding, to know the nature of the mind. First, acceptance. It's a very hard thing, acceptance. It takes a lot of practice, actually. And one of the practices we do is things come up And it's sort of like Deepama, shh, it's okay, it's fine, that one. The next one comes, shh, that's all right too. And then it comes and you say, no, that one's not all right, I don't like that one. Fine, shh, that's okay, it's okay that I don't like it. Just to see it. That's the first part of the practice. And it's not possible to discover about perception, or to learn how to work with the forces of doubt, or greed, or, or even the difference between pleasure, perhaps, and desire on one hand, um, and simple basic enjoyment of something on the other, or joy. Until we first can settle in and just look at the... It's like looking at the cards on the table. Turn all the cards over and take a look at the hand we've been dealt to play with in this particular game. It is, it's like that, isn't it? You know, certain color hair and certain education and certain parental conditioning. Well, that's what's there. Then you want to learn about perception, Eastern, Western perception, whatever it is. Once you begin to accept what's here, and you work with continuity. Continuity is very important because there's this quality in Sanskrit or Pali called santati. Santati means rapidity. It happens so fast like the however many 35 frames a second of uh, of a professional movie screen that it seems to be solid. How to look into it in a deeper way requires this careful continuity of noting. It builds up. It builds up through various cycles of one morning feeling dull and the afternoon feeling collected and the evening feeling scattered and the next morning feeling more concentrated. It's not like it's better and better and better, but it gradually develops as we practice collecting ourselves and coming back moment after moment. It also gradually develops through the opening of the heart of acceptance. Because as much as there is this non-acceptance, so then it's difficult to pay attention in the present. So, those two things of continuity and of a heartfelt acknowledgement of what's there shh, it's okay. This too is all right. So then you have those two. You have continuity beginning to develop. You have a sense of the acceptance of the opening of the heart. Then More difficult stuff comes. Then your doubt comes, or your fear, or your guilt. And it comes, and it's too hard. You really get caught in it. But I really do doubt, or, God, I'm so regretful that I did that. I feel so bad about that. I hurt someone in some way, and I know it and I don't like it. Or anger. How do you work with those things then? The same two elements on a yet deeper level. First, continuity. Doubt, anger, or guilt, or pain come. Pay attention to it. Note it. Experience it quite fully for a little bit of time. Feel the anger, feel the guilt, or notice the, the desire or the, whatever it happens to be that's difficult for you. Experience it as body sensation, which it's made up of. Experience it as certain thoughts in the mind, certain mental qualities. Experience it a little bit. Give it a note a few times. Then go back to your primary object, the breath or the rising and falling. Then it's there again, or it stays there for a while, then go back to it, note it a little more, then come back to the breath as a way to get centered or grounded, not to get lost in it. Again and again it may arise, again and again with a continuity of attention, if that's what's predominant. You don't have to worry about wallowing in it or being too identified. If you make a mental note, you'll discover that they have a great power as a tool anger, fine. You feel it. And you think, gee, I'm wallowing in it because I don't like it. Yeah, feel it. It's not pleasant. Maybe burning or uncomfortable. You notice it. You notice the uncomfortableness. You notice the, the quality of non-acceptance. Then the second part. One is the continuity. The second again is bringing to bear that sense of open-heartedness. It comes, shh, it's okay. It's okay to have that. It's okay to feel that, to forgive yourself in some way, not to judge yourself for what your experience is. I feel from the group a great deal of sincerity in people's practice. The stillness of the room, the things that I hear in interviews, just the sense of the energy of the retreat, it is one of the most collected and smooth and uh, somehow obviously sincere of any of the long retreats we've taught. It's really quite special. In that sense, I want to tell you that you're doing very well. (laughs) And I mean it, I'm really quite serious. Part of that doing well is seeing that people are taking care to pay attention to where they are. Part of that doing well, as I say, is the sense of sincerity, Part of it for you to continue to develop is a kind of open-heartedness, is an acceptance of what comes. But that's not the root of it all. It's to learn to accept, to open, shh, things are okay. And then to take it to yet a deeper level. One wants to understand about cause and effect or whether things are free or whether there's choice. One wants to understand how perception happens. One wants to understand perhaps what the nature of mind is, of of what's called big mind or the spaciousness of mind. How do you discover? How do you answer those things? You start to pay attention more carefully, opening the door, standing up, sitting down, the breath, then the difficult things arise. You note them, go back to the breath, note them again a thousand times maybe, note them back to the breath, note them back again. Opening, experiencing just what's there, trying to open the heart so so that you allow for all those things. And out of that comes in its own time, and it really is in its own time, a natural kind of calming or silencing, of the heart and the mind. It gets calm not because there aren't still thoughts at times, or not because there isn't still anger or doubt or guilt that arise, but it gets calm because one learns to rest more in the present without a reaction to these things. They arise, they're seen, back again to the breath or the rising and falling. And resting in the present, then, there's a kind of clarity that comes. And you begin to see what are called the five aggregates. You see that there are the physical elements experienced, earth, air, fire, and water, hardness, temperature, fluidity, vibration, those kind of things, color and sound. You see that there is feeling in every moment, pleasant, neutral, or unpleasant. You see that there is perception or recognition. That quality it combines memory and a kind of recognition of what's there. It's there all the time, each moment it arises with experience. You see that there is all the reactions of mind, of volition, of liking, disliking, acting in relation to. So there's body, feelings, recognition or perception the third aggregate, the fourth is volition, and then you see that there is some quality of mind knowing all of that. The five skandhas, the five heaps, the five aspects of our being that we take to be solid. And as you look, you begin to see how impermanent they are, that in every moment these five are changing. You see how insubstantial, how unreliable they are, do you control your thoughts or your sensation? Do you have choice? That's a very hard one to answer. I don't, I don't know that I could give a verbal answer, I could speak of the understandings I've discovered. People have been asking that one for a long time. But you discover interesting things about it when you watch intention, for example you can sit, and the intention to get up will arise, and if you really notice with some continuity and care, you can notice maybe the intention to to stand up and walk because you're uncomfortable, or the intention to go and take tea, or the intention to go to the bathroom. And if you notice, sometimes you'll see the intention arises, that quality about to do something, and you note it, and it disappears, and there you are still sitting there. watch the breath for a while and the intention comes again and you begin to see how intention functions, and that it too is impersonal, that it, it's not something that you can say, this is I or me or mine. But look at it, study it. Study intention, study perception. I don't mean think about it at all. The study comes simply by paying attention, moment after moment, to the breath, to the walking and then to the mind states or events that interrupt that, giving them a little attention and coming back. And you start to see what the world is made of and how it works. And that quality of santati or illusion of rapidity starts to break down. Hmm. Doing pretty good on the topics. Hmm. Karma and feeling. Karma and feeling. It's in the hmm. It was my It was my mind. I think it was really that produces karma rather than action. Okay. Karma and feeling. Answer karma and feeling tonight. Because <laughs> it's really a deep question and. And I think it will get answered in the next week's talks by someone, myself, if no one else addresses it. But it has its own kind of meaning and flavor, and it's really interesting. I want to read you a couple of things that relate to what was asked and what I've talked about tonight. Just two things, really, or maybe three. This is a poem by Thich Nhat Hanh, who is both a Theravada teacher and a Zen master from Vietnam and a wonderful, wonderful teacher in the world. He worked for many years during the war to set up and establish relief centers, and since that time to work refugees and anti-nuclear things, all from the spirit of mindfulness and compassion. He lived through some of the more horrible events of the last decades. And he wrote this poem which has something about self-acceptance, I think. He says, do not say that I'll depart tomorrow because even today I still arrive. Look at me. I arrive in every second to be a bud on a spring branch, to be a tiny bird, whose wings still fragile, learning to sing in my new nest. To be a caterpillar in the heart of a flower, to be a jewel hiding itself in a stone. I still arrive in order to laugh and to cry, in order to fear and to hope. The rhythm of my heart is the birth and death of all that are alive. I'm the mayfly on the surface of the river. I'm also the bird in spring which arrives in time to eat the mayfly. I'm a frog swimming happily in the clear water pond. I'm also the grass snake approaching in silence, feeding on the frog. I am the child in Uganda, all skin and bones my legs as thin as bamboo. I am the merchant of arms selling deadly weapons to the killers of Uganda. I'm the 12-year-old girl refugee in a small boat throwing herself into the ocean after rape by the pirates. I am also the pirate, my heart not yet capable of seeing, understanding, and loving. I am a member of the Politburo with power aplenty. I am also the man forced to pay his debt of blood to the people dying in a labor camp. My joy is like spring, so warm It makes flowers bloom in all walks of life. My pain is like a river of tears, so full it fills up all the four oceans. Please call me by my correct names so that I can hear at the same time all my cries and my laughs, so that I could see that my joy and pain are but one. Please call me by my correct name so that I could become awake, so that the door of my heart be left open, the door of compassion. And the other poem, very short one to read, is from Hanshan, the poet of Cold Mountain wrote these wonderful poems in the 8th or 10th century China, cold mountain being the expression of the the delight of the free mind. Spring water in the green creek is clear. Moonlight on cold mountain is white. Silent knowledge, the spirit is enlightened of itself. Contemplate the void. This world exceeds even stillness. When men see Hanshan, they all say he's crazy and not much to look at dressed in rags and hides. They don't see what I say, and I don't talk their language. All I can say to those I meet, try and make it to Cold Mountain. Try and make it cold mountain. What not speaks of is our capacity to discover a kind of wholeness of ourselves, of the world, of a non-separateness that's the heart of spiritual opening or awakening, continuity, care in our attention, being with whatever arises without judging it, shh, just accepting, noting it back again to the breath, to the posture, to the walking, again and again coming back with care to see everything with that same equal, careful mindfulness. A Mindfulness that allows and notices with clarity. And what Hanshan says to us is, there aren't many people in the world who would understand what we do. They'd think you were nuts, sitting quietly, walking. It's strange. It's different. All I can say to those I meet, try and make it to Cold Mountain. There is a kind of understanding that comes through this care of attention, continuity, through an opening of the heart, through an ability and a willingness to experience with mindfulness just what's here, that slowly the world which seems so solid or in which we seem so separate begins to reveal its deeper nature. It's not really so special, it just requires that kind of build up of attention and anybody can see. And in that seeing, then, these understandings and the sense of both connectedness and, strangely enough, freedom together arise. I'm enjoying this retreat a lot. Even though I know you have your own rivers of pain at times, I hope you are too. Thank you.